Now is not the time for the church to shrink back. Now is not the time for us to play it safe. Now is not the time for us to wish that we were living in a different period of history or to become comfortable or content. No, now is the time for us to rally around the mission of God like never before. Now is the time for us to join in the unstoppable momentum that has brought us here so that we can change the world for the sake of Jesus. First Church, this is our moment. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what God is going to do in and through us. All right. Hey, it is so good to have every one of you with us today. And my name is Matt, in case I haven't met you before. And I'm just honored to be able to share today. And right now, we have many who are joining us online as well. So if you are in the room with me, would you join me in welcoming our online community? Good to have them with us for sure. All right. Well, hey, uh, you just heard announced uh, next Sunday is our, our uh, Commitment Sunday. You've heard us talking about it, building up to that. It's gonna be an exciting day. I hope that you are planning to be here for that. I also just wanna remind you about that Commitment card. If you've got one of the books over the last couple of weeks, that card should have been in there. Uh, if you haven't got a book, uh, it, you can pick one up at the Hub before you leave here today. If you're online with us, you can always grab a digital copy of that uh, on the app or the website, and so go check that out as well. But again, plan on being here next week. It's going to be a special day, an exciting day, all right? And over the last three weeks, we've been in this series called Momentum, and I hope you have been here for all of it, but if you've missed any of it, or maybe you're new and, and uh, missed out on it, I encourage you to go back, see where we've been over the last three weeks, because we have really been just celebrating what God has been doing in this place as he continues to move and work and just build, really, momentum in his church. And so it's just been an exciting series. And so today we're just going to continue on with that. And today we are talking about something that every one of us have and every one of us want more of. And it is the word influence. Every one of us have it. And, and truth be told, every one of us want more of it. And you may fight back and say, oh, I don't want more influence. I'm not that going to. No, 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 no. Parents, don't you want your kids to listen to you more, right? Grandparents, don't you wish your kids and grandkids would pay more attention to you? If you had more influence, you could make their life better. Or maybe it's in the workplace. If my boss would just listen to me, I have all the good ideas for the company, for the business, whatever. We, we all, to some degree, on some level, want more influence. Now, recently, that word uh, has, uh, there's another word similar to that, and it is the word influencer, right? That ha recently has kind of taken on a new definition. It, the, the word itself is not new. It's been around since the early 1600s. But, but uh, in recent years, matter of fact, 2016 was the first time they reworked the definition and gave it a new definition. And now here's, here's the definition of influencer, one who exerts influence, a person who inspires or guides the, the actions of others, a person who is able to generate interest in something such as a consumer product by posting about it on social media. So, You've heard that word, I'm sure. I mean, if you watch TV, you get on social media feeds, whatever, uh, you've, you've heard the word influencer, and that word has taken off uh, over the last several of years. Matter of fact, those who are influencers, those who have millions of followers, uh, you know, brands, companies will hire them, pay them uh, to promote their product, and they make 
that company big bucks, right? But that industry makes big bucks, right? This year, it's estimated that, that uh, marketing, influencer marketing is worth $10 billion, right? Just a few years ago, Kylie Jenner, if she would make a post for a company, it would cost that company $1 million, crazy, right, uh, to be an influencer. So with that word, as it's kind of grown and, and, and blown up over the last couple of years, uh, there's become lots of different kinds of influencers. There's think-fluencers and, and uh, uh, mega-influencers, those over a million followers, macro, micro-influencers, nano-influencers, probably most of us stay in the nano range. Uh, that's uh, the 100 to 1,000 uh, followers, right? Uh, but there's all kinds of influencers out there on different levels. But here's the fact. Everyone's an influencer. Every one of us is an influencer. And again, you may say, nah, I'm not an influencer, but you are. Look at your own family, you have an influence. You influence your spouse, you influence your kids. You influence at work, your coworkers, maybe your boss, your teammates, if you're on a team. You have influence, even this morning in worship, you've had an influence. Maybe you didn't think about it. But if you come into this place and you worship and you engage, and man, if you even go as far as to raise your hand, that's crazy, all right? The people around you and behind you see that, right? And if you're engaged in worship, guess what? The people around you tend to be engaged in worship. But if you come in and you're bored, don't want to be here, somebody dragged you here, you know, or worse, you pull out the phone, you're secretly, secretly scrolling your social media, checking emails, you know, people see that. And they're less engaged. You're not as engaged. They're not as engaged. And maybe they're even a little annoyed now. And so we, we have influence. Everywhere we go, we have influence. And so we want to talk about that today. And specifically, here's the statement we want to grab hold of today is, with greater momentum comes greater opportunity for influence. With greater momentum comes greater opportunity for influence. We see that in our own lives but we see that in organizations, we see that in sports teams, we see it in the church. As momentum builds, the opportunity for influence builds as well. So today, as we try to tackle this topic and look at this, we wanna take a look at a guy, we wanna look at his example, and he was a guy who would be considered, we still consider today to be a great influencer. Why? Because he influenced tons of people back in his day and he is still influencing today, and that guy is the Apostle Paul. Paul is still influencing. Matter of fact, we probably wouldn't be here today. If you know Paul's backstory, you know that before he became Paul, he was Saul, and he was, he was an influencer before he ever came to know Jesus, but he was a negative influencer in such a way that he was going against the church, and he was trying to squash the message of Jesus, literally killing Christians for their faith until Jesus turned his life around, right? 
Remember that story. If you don't, go check it out. But on that road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him and changed his life. And he went from being a negative influencer to being a positive influencer for the church and ended up writing most of our New Testament today that we continue to study, that we continue to read and, and learn. And he continues to have an incredible influence today. And so we wanna look at his influence and see how Paul harnessed the momentum of the church and used it for even greater influence. Acts chapter 17 is where we're gonna be at. If you have your Bibles, get there. If you have your app, get over there. Acts chapter 17 is where we're gonna be spending our time today. And Paul is on his second missionary journey. Paul did three missionary journeys, all of which he's going out and he's planting churches. I mean, you talk about a man of influence. He was an influential guy in planting the church and spreading God's word, and sp spreading the message of Jesus all over the world. And so here in Acts chapter 17, he's doing that. He's on that second missionary journey. He has been in the city of Philippi. He was there for some time, again, preaching and teaching, and many were coming to know Christ, but not everybody liked him, not everybody liked his message. He ended up being beaten almost to death, thrown in prison, but then, if you remember the story, God brings an earthquake, causes an earthquake, and, and, and they're released, and, and then the jailer is one to Christ. I mean, it's a crazy story, but... That's where we're at. He's in Philippi. And after he's released from prison, the leaders of the city come to him and politely ask, would you please leave our city? Because <laughs> you're causing issues. <laughs> and so he does. And so he leaves Philippi and goes on a 100-mile journey. That's where we pick up in Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Here's where, here we go. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. One of the first things that we see about being a great influencer is this. Great influencers are intentional. We see that in, in Paul. We see that, that he pretty much had a system of how he carried out his ministry. He, he passes through those smaller communities of Amphipolis and Apollonia, but he stops in Thessalonica there's about, a 30, about 30 miles, a little over 30 miles between each city from Philippi to Amphipolis to Apollonia, about 30 miles each. And so it's believed that's about what a person would travel on that day. And so he probably spent the night in those smaller cities, but that's not where his destination was. His destination was Thessalonica. Why? Because it was a big city. Major trade routes, major travel lanes would come through that city. Lots of people are there. But most importantly, for his intentions, there was a synagogue of the Jews. There was a biggest, biggest, uh, a big enough Jewish population that they would have their own synagogue there. And that's where he would get his start. Why is that important? Let's keep reading verse two. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue. And on, the, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Notice those words, as was his custom, or as his custom was. That was his plan. That's how we see the intentionality in what he was doing, is that he would go into the synagogue, and that's where he would start. Why would he go into the synagogue? Why did he want to start there? Because that's where the Jews were, and what did the Jews know, and what had they been studying all their life? They'd been studying the Old Testament, and they have been waiting on a Messiah, Right? 
I mean, a lot of the heavy, heavy lifting had already been done. They knew what God's word said. They knew what the promises were. They knew what the prophecies were. And now he could start there in explaining to them who Jesus was. So he would start at the big city. He would go into the synagogue and he would begin to reason with them from, notice, from the scriptures. And then people would follow. A church would be born. And that church would then continue to convey the message of Jesus into the city and even in all, to all the surrounding areas. And that was his plan. That's how he carried out the mission to influence the world. Let me ask you, what's your custom? What's your plan? As followers of Jesus, every one of us are called to make a kingdom influence in this world. We're called to go and make disciples. As we go into this world, we're called to, to share the good news of Jesus. What's your plan? How does that happen? Well, I just try to be nice. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's good. But do you have a plan? Our last series was just our You're Invited series. Many of you are here for that. Maybe you're here because of that, which, welcome, glad you're here. But that series, maybe you uh, remember we had our You're Invited uh, invitation cards. Put them on our seats, and, and we told you when you came in, these aren't for you. These are for you to take and give away, to invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers, remember that. And one of the things we said was, if you're a business owner, take a stack of them. Put them on your counter. That'd be awesome. Well, we've heard two stories of business owners in our community that didn't just put them on their counter. They were putting them in every bag of their customers. Like every customer came in, got a card. And I mean, it was a plan. They took initiative. I'm like, yes. By the way, we didn't date those cards. They're still at the hub. If you need more of them, go get them. They're still relevant, all right? Use them to invite others. But what's your plan? and reaching others and sharing Christ with them. Every one of us is called to make a kingdom impact and we need to be intentional about that. But another thing we see as we look at Paul's example is that great influencers have a clear message. They have a clear message and Paul's influence clearly pointed to Jesus. Remember how verse two ended. It says that he reasoned from the scriptures with them. Now go to verse three, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. How did he deliver that message? With clarity, he reasoned, explained, and proved from the scriptures. Literally, as you look at those words reasoned and explained, it talks about in the Greek that uh, it paints a picture of taking two parallel paths, laying them down next to each other for comparison's sake. And so what, what Paul would do, his, his, his uh, way of teaching was to go into the synagogues to the Jews that knew the Old Testament so well, and he would lay out the Old Testament with all his prophecies, and he would lay that next to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and explain and prove that Jesus was the Messiah that they were waiting on. That's the picture that's painted here. 
he would clearly lay out for them who Jesus was and why he is the Messiah. Now, I wanna recognize two things that Paul does not do here. Number one, we don't see Paul argue with those who, are, who he's trying to, to influence. What this is representing is that he's having conversation with them, right? He's having a, a dialogue with these that are trying to learn, trying to figure out, and he's not about arguing with them. Reason I say that, we live in an argumentative culture, right? I mean, every little topic pops up, something happens in the news and social media goes crazy, crazy. Twitter goes crazy, everything goes crazy. And everybody's arguing, picking, picking sides, right? That's not how you see Paul try to be an influence. Matter of fact, later, Paul would say this in two different places in two different letters, don't get into fruitless arguments. Don't go spew your opinions, all right, your opinions out on social media and think, ooh, I changed the world, because <laughs> you didn't, <laughs> You just hacked a bunch of people off and probably got booted off their feed. No, Paul was having productive conversations that were based in Scripture to be able to influence others. Another thing that we don't see Paul do is he didn't expect people to follow Jesus with just blind faith. Just got a belief. I mean, you know, we can't know everything, you know, going on, but, but just trust me. Just trust me. Jesus, he's the Messiah. Right? Sometimes when uh, believers, Christians, we, we get asked that question, well, why do you believe in Jesus? Or, or probably the question's more of like, why do you go to church, right? And how do we respond to that? I know many people don't have an answer ready, right? It says, well, I, I don't, we just go. <laughs> or we always went, that's a, that's a good one. You know, we, we've just always gone. You know, I went with my mom and dad, and, and now, you know, it's really good for the kids, and so we just, we keep going. It's just good. But why? <laughs> you know, why is it worth my time to go and, and go hang out with some people and sing some songs and listen to a guy up front talk? I don't know. <laughs> why? You see, Paul gives reason. He explains, this is why we follow Jesus. These are the facts surrounding his life, his death, and his resurrection. And because of these facts, we can build our life upon him. And it's the best life possible. But I know sometimes we give an excuse, well, I just don't know God's word good enough to be able to give a reason when somebody asks. And I would say, why? Why don't you know God's word that good? Why are you studying his word every day? Is that part of your routine to get into God's word? And if you find something you don't understand, do you ask questions? Do you, are you growing in your faith? We, we need to be a people that's continually growing in our faith no matter how old we are, how mature we are. We must keep growing. One of the greatest stories of that is... Uh, Ben Killian, many of you know, knew Ben, Ben and Sue. Ben was our senior adult minister for 15 years. He and Sue both passed away in the last year. And I didn't know this about Ben uh, until uh, his funeral. Uh, at 60 years old, 
Ben went back to school to get his master's degree in preaching. He had been preaching for over 40 years. <laughs> but he went back because he knew the culture around him had changed significantly and he wanted to have a greater influence. And so he went back to learn how to preach now in this changing culture that he found himself in. How awesome was that? Talk about an influence and an example for us. Listen, we should never stop learning so that we can be prepared to give an answer, to give a reason for why we believe, why we trust in Jesus. Now, as Paul continued to proclaim the message of Jesus, some believed, yay. And that's the next thing we wanna learn about is great influencers gain a following. That's leadership. If you wanna know if you're leading, look behind you, right? If people are following, yeah, you're a leader. So people began to listen to Paul. Look at verse four, it says this. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. When it says not a few of anything, it means a bunch, right? Not a few prominent women. And so here you have represented uh, racial lines of the Jews and the Greeks, social lines with the prominent women. You go back into Acts chapter 16, the chapter right before this, when he was in Philippi, you've got several different social dynamics that are mentioned there of people who are coming to faith. And the point of this all is this, the message of Jesus was penetrating those in every walk of life. It was a message that people needed. And church, it's a message that people still need today. And again, with greater momentum comes greater opportunity for influence. As people continued to follow, people continued to believe, momentum grew and Paul's influence grew as well. And we see that. We see that in the church today. We see that here at First Church because we have churches that look at us in the current climate where many churches are struggling, many churches are closing their doors. We have churches literally coming to us and asking us, what are you doing? And we say, we don't know. <laughs> God's just doing amazing things. And there's some specific things, but we've talked to team, uh, different teams about their production and we've talked about next gen and uh, finances, all kinds of things we've had conversations with other churches about. And it all comes down to this is a work of God. And it's so awesome to be a part of it. But we understand the stewardship responsibility we have as a church as we continue to see God increase our influence. But even with all the momentum, if we look at Paul's story, not everybody is on board. There are those who oppose him. And that's the next thing. Great influencers face opposition. It's part of it. Don't be surprised. Paul was experiencing great momentum, but look at verse five. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house. Jason was a, obviously a friend of Paul and, and Silas, his partner in ministry. That must have been where they were staying. So they rushed into Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. 
the Jews that are jealous here are most likely the Jewish leaders in the synagogue. And they're jealous because what they're seeing is some of the people of the temple that have been coming to the temple probably for years and years and putting money in the offering of the temple, probably don't want to leave that out, they're starting to not come anymore because they're starting to go to the other church down the street and they're jealous. So they form a mob, cause a riot, and turn against Paul and Silas. So they're at Jason's house. They're looking for Paul and Silas, verse six. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. That's the first accusation. Jason's welcomed them. They're troublemakers, but he's welcomed them in. Here's the second accusation. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When it says that they dragged them out to the city officials, that literally means or talks about that this is a physical assault on Jason and the brothers. And they bring them to the city leaders and they say, these men who have caused trouble all over the world. Other versions will say it this way, and this is a little bit more literal. These men who have turned the world upside down. From the perspective of the Jewish leaders, these men have turned everything upside down. They have, they have bucked the status quo. They have knocked us out of our comfort zone. Everything was good until they showed up and turned it all upside down. From their perspective, they were just a bunch of troublemakers. But from God's perspective, they were turning the world right side up. You see, the world has been upside down ever since the fall. When sin entered into the world, that turned everything upside down. That took everything the direction that God did not desire for it to go. And now Paul is doing everything he can to begin to turn the world right side up. And that is still the call of the church today, to turn this world right side up. That's why we talk about bringing the joy of heaven into the sadness of earth. We want to bring heaven into this world, into this culture. We want people to see what life is supposed to be about you see, our influence is not rooted in what the world thinks about us or what the world sees in us, but our influence is rooted in God's calling in our life. Paul wasn't discouraged that they didn't agree with him. No, he said, I expect that. And he continued to press on. Look what happens, look at verse eight. When they heard this, the city officials the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Why would they be in turmoil? Well, the second accusation that there's somebody declaring that there's a different king, this guy named Jesus, when that was said, that would raise eyebrows. Because if word got back to Rome that they have allowed somebody to begin teaching and preaching about a different king other than Caesar, 
Rome will take notice and Rome will take action and Rome will send soldiers. And it won't just be Paul and Silas that get the boot. It'll be all the leaders of the community because they let it happen. So they're in turmoil. We gotta do something. And so they find Jason and the other brothers. It seems like a slap on the wrist, but it's not. And when there is an understanding that, yeah, you're gonna pay this fine under the understanding that you're gonna get Paul out of here. And that's exactly what happens. And they get Paul out of the city to stop preaching. And he leaves. But this was not the last time that the church caused a disturbance. Go a few chapters later, Acts chapter 19, verse 23. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. The way is what the church was called. Why? Because Paul had been preaching there for a couple of years and many people had turned from pagan worship, worship of idols, and turned to Jesus, which also meant there was a revenue stream that was interrupted from the craftsmen, those that sold the idols. They're mad. They get a mob together. They cause a riot. Same kind of scenario as we saw in Thessalonica. But this time, they're marching Paul to the center of the city and they're ready to kill him. But you go to verse 30 there in Acts 19 and it says this, Paul wanted to appear before the crowd. His brothers and sisters, they didn't let him, all right? But that's what he wanted to do. He said, hey, look, it's a crowd. Paul, they're wanting to kill you. That's all right, I wanna tell them about Jesus. <laughs> what do we learn from that? Great influencers just keep on influencing. They don't stop. Whatever trials, whatever struggles, whatever challenges come, it's just more opportunity for influence. How can I use this as an opportunity to reach others? And that's what Paul does there. Paul was changing the world. He was changing it and turning it right side up and nothing would stop him from that. Now we might ask the question, well, did his plan work in Thessalonica? Well, yes, it did. And why do we, do, do we know that? We go to the letter that he wrote back to the church in Thessalonica over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what Paul says to this baby church in Acts 17. Now they've been around for a while, and this is what he says to them. The Lord's message rang out from you. Love that. It was loud. The message of God has gone out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Achaia was another surrounding area right to the south of Macedonia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Did Paul's plan work? Yeah, it did. His message became their message and that message continued to go throughout Thessalonica, throughout Macedonia, throughout all the surrounding territories and Paul's like, way to go church you've become great influencers listen we are still called to be kingdom influencers today Tony Dungy NFL coach commentator says this God's loving plan to save sinners started with Jesus's death and resurrection the influence God calls you to have for his kingdom is very simple. Just tell the world what he did for you. Just tell your story. Tell others about how Jesus has changed your life, how he has turned your world right side up. 
that's what we've been called to do. We have many in our church that I think that could bear the title of great influencers. A lot of great people here. One of those is a guy that I've known for a long time, and we're going to get to hear a little bit about his story today. So check this out. I've been coming to First Church for 21 years. Um, I am married to my wife, Shanna, and we have four kids. When it comes to serving with the elementary kiddos, it's a really cool experience. At first, I was very intimidated, but I tried it out, and I, did, I thought it was neat. I could be goofy with the kids. I was like, okay, this ain't so bad. And so I've been doing that for a long time. What I'm getting out of serving, especially during midweek, is the kids are actually wanting to learn. They're actually hungry to learn. I didn't have that I was, as I was growing up. I, um, I knew who God was and I knew that he's, he created everything but I didn't know he really cared. I found Shanna and she helped me get back to where I should be and back into church. And lo and behold, it was this church. And from there, this church has really helped spiritually. I didn't realize it at the time whenever I first showed up, but they're gonna help with my children at the same time. I wasn't expecting to be a changing people's lives. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to serve. I'm not the greatest at, at basically anything. I just show up and try to do what God wants me to do. My initial reaction when I heard that Unstoppable was geared around um, helping grow the uh, elementary ministry, I was like, yep, it needs it. We are growing leaps and bounds upstairs. Like the elementary is, there's new kiddos showing up every Sunday and even on Wednesdays, there's, we are full and we need more room. So when I heard that we are actually going to build a building for them, I was like, okay, let's do this. Our journey with Unstoppable has not been easy. I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's, been, it's been challenging. But when we put a number down, like what Chad asked us to do, and then we went up on that Sunday and we were going to turn in uh, the commitment with our number on it, at the last minute I changed it and I put more on it. <laughs> and so my wife was like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's see what happens. And so we turned it in. Where we are at today, our number that we put on that piece of paper that I scribbled out and then rewrote the number, we will meet that number by the end of the year. I know it's a two-year commitment, but I have no idea how. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea how. but that number will be met by the end of the year. And so we will continue giving like, you know, we haven't met that number yet. That's what we're planning on doing. It really is a step of faith of 
of saying this kind of stuff, especially when you're not comfortable saying it. But if it helps someone else, then that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to help. I'm called to help the church. That's pretty awesome. That deserves a hand clap. <laughs> I love Aaron. I love his heart. Um, Aaron serves in so many ways. I don't know if you caught that one statement that he made. He said, uh, I'm not the greatest at basically anything. I just show up and try to do what God wants me to do. I love that. Earlier we talked about great influencers just keep influencing. I think I would reword that for Aaron to be great influencers just show up. Great influencers show up. When there's a need, when there's, when there's something to be done, they're ready. Hey, if, if I can be an influencer, even this video, Aaron was so... He's not a camera. He doesn't, he's behind cameras. <laughs> he's usually up there on, on Sundays. He doesn't want to be in front of one, but he says, hey, if it helps, if it encourages somebody else, if it influences somebody else, I'll do it. I'll share my story. And he shows up. Paul kept showing up. Paul went to Thessalonica. From there, he went to Berea, to Athens, to Corinth, and on to city after city after city, taking the gospel. And we're called to just keep showing up, being an influence, and you might think, well, I'm no Paul. I'm no big preacher. Can't stand on a stage. It's all right. We need all kinds of influencers. Mega, macro, micro, nanos. We need all influencers, right? To be kingdom influencers. And maybe it just starts with being like Aaron. I don't know if you heard that last statement he said there. I'm just called to help the church. I love that heart. And I love that we have men and women like Aaron that are serving and influencing our next generation here at First Church. Just teaching them the Bible, teaching them about Jesus. So my question for you today is this. How is God calling you to be a kingdom influencer? What's he putting on your heart? Are you slowing down enough to listen? Or are you one of those, uh, man, if I just stay busy enough, I can't, I can't hear him. <laughs> I won't have to do what he calls me to do because it's often difficult. What's he calling you to? Maybe it's just start simple and just tell your story. We've talked about that before in here. Write it out, condense it down, be able to tell it in 30 to 45 seconds what Jesus has done for you. And now you've got a story to tell. Start there. Maybe it's start a group. And notice I said start a group and not get in a group. Because some of you are ready to lead a group. You have the maturity, you have the ability to lead. Get at it. Go talk to Brian, go to the hub, and we'll help you get started. Or maybe you just need a volunteer, and specifically in NextGen, or you can be an influence there, just like Aaron, just teaching kids about Jesus. Know this, you are an influencer. Every one of you, you're an influencer. Your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, everyone that crosses your path in life is somebody that you have the opportunity to influence. 
Listen, with this world so filled with negative influences, it needs the church now more than ever to be kingdom influencers, to be great influencers. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, help us, lead us, show us the opportunities that you give us every day to be an influence. God, whether that's in our own home, whether that's at our workplace or in our classrooms, wherever you give us opportunity, God, help us to step into that and be an influence to point people to Jesus, to point people to you. And God, may that be the mission of this church, that we continue to be a church that strives to be a kingdom influence in this area, in Owasso and the 918 and beyond. God, continue to use us to convey your message of Jesus to the world. Help us to turn the world right side up. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.